You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. All right. Hello, Randall. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry about that. I accidentally muted myself when I burped earlier. Let myself muted. You just kind of went quiet. I figured you were working on something. That's a. That was a dumb move of my fault. Um. So yeah. Hey, I didn't burp on the. I didn't burp on the mic. That's all that matters. All right. So welcome to Low Key Wolves. This would be number zero six. Um. I know, as you guys noticed, the Taxation FF Chris, uh, Spangle is still in the corner. I, it will be removed after this weekend, but I have decided to leave it there for a while because, um, one, I don't know if I'm going to stay on Stream Elements if I'm not going to switch over to Stream Labs, and I didn't want to do all that work from taking it down and putting something up there and getting in its spot and end up switching everything everywhere and have to do double work. Not going to do that, so it stays, so... You know, and something else will be in place, but it's going to be in place. It's something really, really cool. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to get try to get Spangle to approve it first, see if he likes it, see if it goes with everything with him, and if that's okay, then boom, I'll get this really cool graphic here on the side, which I think is going to be really, really cool and gamify a lot of cool things for everybody else here. Um, joining with me, uh, and of course, my all-time co-host with uh, uh, for Low Key Wall. I think you've been on the most Low Key Wall, as in all of them, um, is a uh, <laughs> is Rhino, Rhino. Yeah, you did. Mi- oh yeah, you missed one, didn't you? I yeah, didn't, I missed the second one because uh, you you guys decided to do it as a regular thing. Yeah, and I was busy that night when you guys did it, so I wasn't able to attend. Well, yeah, yeah. Which you know, and also the other co-host is others. The show is you guys sitting in the in the uh, Discord in, in Discord or coming in into the, the Twitch chat. Yeah, we got look. We got Wicked Kinder. Thanks, Wicked Kinder. Welcome, welcome. We also got uh, two follows since the last time um, we decided. Uh, um, since the last air, we've got uh, we picked a, the follower Sarah Barbera. I'm sure that's how that's pronounced, and we picked up Boss Fisher. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Scholar's supposed to be here to uh, pronounce words for me, and he's not. So um, I will be here uh, for the next uh, 90 minutes to mispronounce words and butcher everyone's name. So, a <laughs> couple of things I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, I did miss a couple of things um, in January that I wanted to bring up. I never get to talk about it on the wall because... You know, Sp- I'm sure Spangle cares. I'm sure everyone else cares. There's just, just always so this much stuff going on in January or other around that time. You know, it's really kind of hard to talk about this subject. And the subject I really wanted to bring up and talk it about is something that is very. 
I always get concerned when I hear about uh, about things about people who grew up with the internet. The people who basically have this is what like the internet has always been part of their life. Their IT kids are around my age, and they've done beautiful, amazing things with their life. And when they when the government gets involved in their life and they end up taking a long term and the government ends up trying to make an example of them, I always like to give a huge, a huge spotlight on them because that could have been most anyone who, you know, any IT person that listens to Wall, any programmer that listens to Wall, or just anybody, like, basically, like, you know, they're going, they're going after somebody. And the person I am going to spotlight today is Aaron Schwartz. A um, lot of people who have, have never heard this man's name since the last uh, since Tuesday night when I sat in on wall, or they've may have heard a blip around the time because a lot of things happened around um, uh, uh, when his case was going through. So a lot of people are kind of like, you know, they've got some misconceptions. What's going on with this guy? Because he got lumped in with a lot of different bad actors around the same time while his trial was going on. But um, let me back up the train. Um, Aaron Schwartz is a uh, was is an, is an American citizen. He is a brilliant young kid. I mean, he programming he started programming at a young age. He helped uh, get the RSS. He start he was up with the RSS feed, the same RSS feed that everyone uses to get updates on their on pot uh, for the, their podcasts. They get updates for like different email lists or just blips from every different website. That piece of technology, Aaron Swartz helped pl make the plumbing work for that technology. And the adults, the adults never knew that they were messing with a 14-year-old kid at the I think it was 14. It's probably younger, but I'm going to say 14 because it's the first age I went with. Um, they didn't know they were working with like basically a 14-year-old kid that's getting on the message group that's getting there, submitting code. They're sending him code to work on because he would never code to their uh, like their meet space like their their meet space meetings. Be, you know, and and when they kept pushing him to find out why, they found out the kid he was just a little kid. Um, but they didn't treat him like a little kid, which goes to show, like, a lot of the different times, a lot of people you see around that age, a lot of people like to treat them like they're kids, but they're actually very brilliant. And that's the way Aaron Schwartz was. He's that brilliant kid in the computer, uh, in your uh, classroom that basically, you know, Ryan, whoa, Ryan Hall TV, we got a host, we got a host. All, all the view, thanks, Ryan Hall, I appreciate it. Um, what, um, where was I? So, um. So he worked on that as a kid, going through high school. He then he picked up. He started to uh, he uh, start. We worked on uh, before he got to. Hey, Christy. When he got into when we started getting older, he started working on Creative Commons license. Creative Commons. Uh, I'm sure everyone who's done a podcast, a blog post, understands the uh, complexities of dealing with the crappy, a antiquated. Um, Copyright system in the United States. United States, you. Hey, Ikasako and Farkas Nugan and Danger Three One Seven. What's up? What's up? Hey, everybody in the chat. Um, so, and so you've got this kid. It's basically this fourteen, fifteen-year-old kid helping crafting the the laws and the rules for the creative com uh, for the Creative Commons license. So, and everyone. So he's basically captivated like a whole room. This little kid is doing this. So this is Aaron Schwartz we're talking about here. And so you know, not only did he help the RSS feed, the help the help the plumbing for the RSS feed, he started working on the the Creative uh, Creative Commons license. So you know, this kid's got a bright future ahead. Gets on, goes to school, uh, uh, ends up going to uh, the Stanford. Uh, goes to Stanford. Um, 
while in Stanford, you know, he's back, he's, he's in, like, a traditional, like, school environment, you know, he didn't like it, because, you know, his main thing that he wanted to do, he wanted to create, he wanted to help people, not sit around in the classroom, learn a bunch of things, and possibly get out and make a massive six-figure salary, that's not was it, that's not his idea, he wanted to teach, learn, use software to help people. While in college, he got put into this program, I want to say it's the Y Incubator, if I remember correctly. Uh, the incubation pro project inside of Stanford, and that's basically like which they they put a lot of programmers and IT people and engineers and software developers together, gave them a little bit of like startup cash and stuff like that to let them just be themselves, create. Um, so Aaron just started working on this site to help make it easier for other people to start. Uh, it does, yeah, he does sound like a uh, and said this sounds like a superhero origin story, and it is. He he is superhuman. Well. Um, while in college, you know, so we started this project to make it easier for everyone else to make a website. You know, so it's like easy, you know, easy to use the code for it. So everyone can sit there and get their freaking, like, get their, get their code on and make their own website. That project didn't go anywhere, it didn't fail. But while his, 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 in his apartment, in this Y Incubator project, there was another project was going on that did not have, that needed help, that was not going anywhere. And that was Reddit. Yes, he he walked over to like to the couch and other people were working on it and he helped get the code going for Reddit. And thanks to Aaron, Reddit is what it is today. Got it. To of course, some people have gone in, some people have gone in and broke the beautiful system that Aaron made. But hey, it is what it is. Um, so that whole that voting up and down syndrome was it's freaking Reddit. So he does that. The um, company comes in. He sells all this. Uh, they sell Reddit move out to California, he gets out there, understands, doesn't like the, um, he gets into Silicon Valley and realizes this world is meant, you know, they're not really out there to helping people, this is, this world is just here to make money, which there's nothing wrong with making money, but that's, like I said, back to his same, like, origin, like, this is not what he wanted to do with the skills that he's picked up, he wanted to, he wants to help people, so he ends up, you know, he gets fired from, um, on Reddit, uh, the company like helps me walk over there. It was it wasn't a pretty breakup. Apparently it was awful. Um, a lot of the people in around that time still don't even talk about it. Um, so, you know, so it's all surrounded in mystery that that breakup story. Um, but after he gets out of there, so he's got a bunch of he's got a, he's got fu money at this point. Okay, so he can just still you know he can do what he wants. Um, he's got a huge programming background. He's got he's got he's got connections. So he starts making more connections. He gets into the um, like the political space. Like I said, he wants to help people. Unfortunately, you know he's on the left. So he like he uh, he goes out there and he does a lot of different motivations. He's one of the people who helped out get Elizabeth Warren um, elected. I know, I know. Come on, all right, all right. It's politicology is aside. When Elizabeth Warren first started out, just like Obama, like wanted to help people, but. Anyways, let's hear it on there. Fast forward. He didn't know any of that. Um, <laughs> yes, I. Uh, Wicked Kendra said I both love and hate Reddit at the same time. I think everybody has a love-hate relationship with Reddit, and most people hate Facebook but end up having to use it. But Aaron also at the same time, also, he starts working on different projects to um, basically what he was discovering and find, figuring out and finding out that a lot of different items and stuff like that that are like freedom free for like freedom reservation request or working with inside the uh was it the pace the pacer system the pacer system was basically the all your law documents from case files they're free access you can go get them but you have to 
get them throughout the the old pacer system and the and this and the pacer system was a lot of this stuff was getting digitized and get online but they made you pay for it which is understandable because someone has to sit there scan it in the computer and get it to you but the pacer system wasn't um they were charging more than what they were using to get to like the project off the uh, you know they were basically using it as a money making screen because people needed these law documents pacer was you know was charging extra for it and you know making it, it was basically turning itself into a million dollar industry of taking free uh free information that the government had and basically selling it back to the people who paid for the documents in the first place awful awful injustice well, at certain conferences, that's how, it, and, and, and certain political conferences, Aaron met, f- fell into this program and st- helped write code to basically start going in and going through the pay system and to get a file, pull a file, get a file, pull a file. Basically, just keep going through the, the pay, so basically just using just basic shell script, circumventing their system, beca- um, because what Pacer did was they started to make it that you can go to any um, public library and you can pull out so many files a day which sounds tedious but there's hundreds of public libraries not everyone freaking does this so what he did was write a shell script so it was all automatic it would just go out there and just keep pulling documents pull documents and it pulled up a lot faster than a pace organization wanted it to do so they basically shut it down and then they like um, this is the this first birth of the federal government sent the FBI a- a- after um, Aaron to go and uh, basically investigate and find out what the heck is going on. They didn't really press charges. They closed the books on it, but they were basically like, this was his first brush of like the federal government. It was like, hey, you can't do this. But he got that taste of understanding that the you know United States government or governments in general, they were basically holding them back free information from being out there in the world, but to just like in the um, the quote unquote hackers manifesto, you know, like you know, knowledge knowledge needs to be free. Things need to be free, free, uh, free, free out there. So fast forward a few, uh, we'll think about two years after that that incident. Uh, he uh, he got introduced while well, he was at MIT, which MIT is a difference. Uh, me, all right. So with MIT, I'm going to because most people don't know this, is MIT is also famous for their open networks, open everything, which a lot of people like complain that their education isn't free, da-da-da, college isn't free. MIT is free and open of everything. You just have to pay to go to MIT to get their piece of paper, the certificate. But if you want to take MIT courses, you want to get on the IMIT network and look at other resources, or you really just go to into MIT, their networks is fully open. It's one of the great places to you know, go to like just get access to the net if you're in the area. The only issue is they register things that go to it. And one thing that Aaron noticed was that inside these documents at each college is that they basically they scientific journals. These are journals basically like the wealth of human knowledge. Uh, is, yeah, of basically it's human knowledge for for about the past. What is it like? You know, five hundred years. Every like from like from the Renaissance of like these like these scientific journals. People have taken carefully scanned out, put on the computer, and they have basically locked them away. And these and these different companies own them, own them, and they will they charge people for access to it. Colleges organizations get free access to it. Well, they're not okay. College students get free access to it colleges pay a licensing fee to view these documents. Now, you're able to go inside there as a, as a college student, get inside there, and pull and pull off any journal that you need for your college courses. But what 
Aaron, myself, and a lot of different people see this as just basically a locked up version of the whole, um, basically, uh, the uh, locked up version of the whole scientific community. Everything's being held back because of this awful copyright holding back all this freaking um, scientific knowledge behind this basic paywall which, it, but if you were you know, if you, but if you walked in the MIT conference, you have free freaking access to it. So what Aaron did was wrote a script very simple JavaScript or maybe it was no, I think it was Python, this one was Python and it, what it would do was get on the JSTOR pull a document and boom, download it back again. Just the same way you did with the Pacer stuff. And with JSTOR, since it was, you know, it's from a company that's very well database, he just went there and pulled. So we just hit there and pull, and it was just kept pulling documents. He pulled millions and millions of documents. They kept they would turn off his IP address to that laptop. He'd get it up, he registered a new one, and the program would start back up. Um, they eventually just uh, JSTOR eventually just cut off the entire MIT camp campus to figure out trying to figure out who this person is that keeps pulling. That doesn't last long, especially if you're pulling licenses. So they eventually had to turn the network on and they kept searching it. So what Aaron did was he f uh, found a, a s un secured networking closet at MIT, which blows my mind that it's an unsecured <laughs> networking closet um, uh, in, the, in a basement of a building, hooked the laptop up right to Ethernet, right into the network, so bypassing a lot of different like features that they can turn off, and then set a laptop there with the same sales script with an external hard drive and let this thing download. After a while, like someone would just download, 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 eventually someone did find this laptop and find out what it was. So what the campus decided to do is they're just unplugging and just waiting for someone to show back up, and just like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And just like basically try to keep it all in house. They what they did was they decided to um, put a camera there and videotape, basically build a case and find out who's doing this. It took them a while um, to come up there. They actually found out why the door keeps unlocking is because apparently a janitor was using it to store like garbage. <laughs> I know, right? Physical, uh, Quentin Kennedy said number one rule of security is physical security. Yeah. Uh, this is why, like, a lot of different hacks, like, if it requires physical security, like, man, you're mostly pwned anyways if someone got physical, you know, access to your servers. Um, oof. Mainly sip. I just realized I've been, like, ranting for the last, like, ten minutes. Sorry about that. Um, hope I'm not, go hope I'm not going too fast. I'm just, like, trying to condense a whole bunch of data into a short bit. I'm, I apologize if I'm going too fast. But anyways, so they get that, they boo the case, and they they get on the camera, they watch him basically switch with the drive. So they know, like, this, boom, this is Aaron, this is Aaron Schwartz. They let him leave. And when they get him out, they basically sick the Cambridge Police um, police Department on him. So he And he's like a small, like, if you can see him in the picture, he's not a very big guy. Like, this is him in 2002, so he had to been was like, that's 16, that's him 16 in this picture, and this is him in 2008 which basically was, um, I want to say like 23. So he, he was a very very small guy. He wasn't a big, so the campus police tackled him and brought him down to the ground. Uh, basically like they do to most, um, you know, who they see as criminals. They did take him, they strip searched him and put him, and put him in the prison cell. Um, and they were getting ready to press charges on him. He faced, um, was it, uh, he, they were, he released on a hundred thousand dollars worth of bail, and they began to start building the case on him. They, he, for the, uh, the company, M uh, um, MIT 
JSTOR basically started to back down off of going after um, uh, Aaron for this whole thing, but the federal government didn't. At this same time, while this was always going around in 2012-2013, on this same time, another hacker organization was going on at the same time. This was the same time that Occupy Wall Street and LulzSec was got busted. Okay, so the news was, and, and so we got you got LulzSec, Occupy Wall Street, um, uh, Chelsea Manning was going on, WikiLeaks was going on, was was huge at this time. So the federal government um, wanted blood. They wanted to take down a somebody wanted to make a name for themselves and take down a hacker, which he is. You know, you know what? Aaron's a hero. He is a hacker. He he doesn't get the quotes. He is a hacker. Okay. They wanted to take him down. They wanted an example of him for what he did to the like basically like trying to bypass the system and pull of it. One from the Pacer system pulling out documents and read um and they were decided to try to do this to Aaron. Because he the only law he really broke was if they kind of like went for the idea that he was going to redistribute these things for like for free for publication which they've kind of got a uh, sense of him doing it once before uh, th but the other time that he did do it he did he also pulled um, what is it the uh, what's the word I'm looking for he also did it to the law library to find out that somebody was using it to they were basically using um, Aaron pulled a bunch of documents from a law library one time out in California, uh, uh, out in California, because he was realizing uh, they uh, using Analytics to find out that a company was using um, the basically law library to pay different uh, lawyers to do research against different like um, not climate change, which was it? Uh, it was like different. It was basically like they were using. It was like a pay scheme to go after different. Um, uh, like industries that the the company wanted, they were basically paying for it for all the research going on. But the main thing that what they were worried about that did sink them, they got this from his girlfriend, which actually got slipped out, was this document right here, the Gorilla Open Access Manifesto. Um, information is power, but like all power, there are those who want to keep it for themselves. The world's entire scientific and cultural heritage published over centuries in books and journals is increasingly being digitized and locked up by a handful of private corporations. Want to read the papers featured the most famous results of the sciences? You'll need to send enormous amount of uh, to publishers like Reed Elsevier. There are those struggling to change this. The open access movement has fought violently to ensure the scientists do not side their copyrights away, but instead ensure their work is published on the internet under terms that allow anyone to access it. But even under the best scenarios, the work will only apply to things published in the future. Everything up until now has been lost. Um, this is a really cool thing. Like I'm going to post this thing in the chat here. Um, if you want to take yourself out and go um, open another tab and go read that, um, because what they found out, uh, because basically, like when a scientist does a study, when they get done doing the study, they have to sign. They basically sign their rights over to the publishing company, and it goes off of there to get it to even get it published, get anyone looked at. And it's the system that a lot of scientific journals have been published under. They don't get published under like different copyrights. So when it's so another reason why so another reason why it's so hard to debate anything with science in it because most of the journals for all this stuff is all locked away behind those publishing and these massive paywalls. Uh, I'm sure that um, 
it, especially like people like me who'd like to debate race realists or anything using like any type of science, it's kind of hard to find a, like a journal to cite because it's locked away. So you'll need someone who's an academic that has access to these journals, so you'd be able to like here. Look, if you look at this journal right here, it says it right here. You know, different studies and stuff like that. All right, so Aaron, um, so after all that, they, they bring this case against, um, and they are going after Aaron. So he's faced with about 30 years. He's get, if the federal government wants to make him a, an example, as this, like I said, and the news is bringing him as, as, a, as one of the awful crackers of LawSec. They want to bring him down. They want to bring someone down. They want to basically hold someone up on an example because look at him. He's just like, this is, this is what the evil hackers look like. And, you know, he's not. He's a hero. He's a hero hacker. Well, faced by all this, uh, Aaron did um, commit suicide. He did it in January, um, January 11th, 2013. It was a very sad day. Um, if you want to hear more about this, like the the documentary, The Internet's Own Boy, it's a very good documentary on Aaron Schwartz. There's a whole different, uh, all kinds of different um, documentaries on Aaron because he um, he touched a lot of different parts of the internet, and most people who use the internet to its full abilities have used his so used software that he's worked on, or just used things. Or have worked with people that he has worked with because of his, like, um, because of everything that he has touched. So, yeah. And I, I, hmm? and I like to bring up Aaron Schwartz because a lot of people use this tech, use the things around it, but they don't understand and understand who this kid is and, and what was he was trying to do and why he committed suicide. You want to say something right now? I'm sorry. Well, a few things, but the first one was the. There's another documentary called Kill Switch, which is a a, a pretty good documentary you want to check out too. Yeah, Kill Switch is a good one too. So, there's a few things I have about this. One is, um, unfortunately, he probably would never have gotten caught at with the JSTOR thing if he had not um, written the script in a way that it was creating a new session. Mm-hmm. For every, for every pull, mm. right? Now, doing that was much more efficient. Correct. But by doing that, he slammed the network and was very uh, quickly identified. If he had just done it um, with single sessions, mm -hmm. nobody would have identified that anybody thing was going on because it would have looked like people were just pulling one document at a time, as it were. So he was trying to mass pull to make it faster, and that's what got him caught. Be because, yeah, because with that guerrilla manifesto, there's a lot of other people who were doing the exact same Aaron was doing but wasn't caught because they were pulling single file at a slowly right. at a time on USB drives, not like the mass like he was doing. Right, so so that was, that's one thing. The other thing, too, is I'm not sure. I don't know if we ever really understood why he committed suicide. Well, so, so as I understand it... Mm -hmm. Uh, he was in negotiations. Now they were—he was being overzealously um, charged. A lot of people were saying this at the time, mm -hmm. um, including including John Dean. If you know who John Dean is, uh, former Nixon White House counsel, yeah, who has knows a little thing or two about you know overcharging, <laughs> char getting charged and overcharging and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, yeah, so they were obviously trying to get something done, right? So. Um, and it was uh, Carmen Ortiz, I guess, is the uh, former U.S. attorney from Massachusetts. Um, 
who brought the brought the indictment. Mm-hmm. So they were having they were having a um, negotiation going on for a plea deal, so that they could just keep this out of court and get this taken care of. Mm-hmm. He was offered six months jail, six months in jail and two years no touching a uh, electronic device. Right, right, right. Which he, he so he counter offered, and I we have no knowledge what the counter offer was, mm-hmm. but the counter offer was rejected. And then that's when he committed suicide. I have a hard time believing that he committed suicide because of six months of jail and two years of no inter- of no computers. Right. That seems like yeah. an overreaction. Correct. Does seem like a I little think, bit of overreaction. I, I think there was other things going on in his life. There was something else, but I don't. There has to be something else there. Another bit of the story there that we just don't know. We probably never will know. Correct. Yeah. There's several different layers to it. Like um, he wasn't in, like at the time. He wasn't. In, like, I wasn't with his girlfriend. He wasn't in, having the best relationship with her at the time. He also kind of felt like a little betrayed by her. Some a little bit because she did want to go stock talk to them without like him and her, or his lawyers present. Uh, right. So he, you know, he kind of felt, you know, but like at that time, you know, so you're feeling like the world is like coming at you from all sides. And the simple fact that um, he always felt that with that felony charge on him and hanging over him, that he wouldn't be able to do, he wouldn't, you know, he had goals and aspirations and he felt like if he had this felony charge, there's no way he could make it to like work inside the White House or really help people True. because he had this felony charge <laughs> hanging over him. So in his head. Right. But, but he knows Kevin Mitnick. I mean, Kevin Mitnick has gone gone through a lot worse than that. Correct. Yeah. Came out came out the other side, and he's doing fine. You know, well for himself, is able to. You know, he's starting his own firms. He's doing his thing. So, I I just I don't know. It just seemed like there had to be. Now, there is something with a, a mindset like he has is that he's probably very he's probably on a spectrum maybe or something that. Um, Emotional things probably hit him harder. Things like, I mean, there's there's things there that are probably very related to what happened and what pushed him to that point. Um, yeah, but it just, it just, I just, I, I really would like to know. Um, and, and like I said, we'll never know because he didn't leave. He didn't leave in suicide note. He didn't tell anybody why he was doing this. So, right, it's just kind of frustrating. Which like the weird thing about the whole suicide note thing. That's which like there's tons of different conspiracy theories out of it. Like you like there's something else that he discovered or found out, and he got suicided. Um, but, I but I, I don't I, like I don't I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean right I don't, yeah. I, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying they're because they would have le- they w- yeah they would have left a note. I mean if you're going to suicide somebody, you make it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't leave holes. Right. Right. So I just I don't I don't buy it. The other thing I wanted to bring up mm-hmm. is that while I kind of agree with some of the things he did, I also am kind of against some of the things he did. Okay. So, so when you're doing research and you're selling the research papers mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. that money is there to incentivize people to do this. So the research has to get paid somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So people aren't just giving the money out and then going to get it out for free on the research. So the the so it's usually colleges or, or research firms or something like that is paying the money for this research with the idea that they're going to make the you know maybe not make a lot of money a lot of profit off of it but at least enough to pay back the money they put into the research. So by 
charging for those research papers, that's part of the you know part of the way they make that money back to encourage further research going on. If 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 those are being taken and not compensated for, research will stop because nobody will have the money or have the incentive to do it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. If they may want to do it, but they're not going to be able to financially make it happen unless they're getting endowments, unless they're getting people just handing them money for no, you know, out of the goodness of the heart for that research. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to start getting only research done on things where people with money want to find out the answers to, not just, you know, not research that would benefit everybody. Right, yeah, like, so if I wanted to have a, um, uh, uh, just research, like, basically, if um, research for climate change, which would come out, so the only people who would have research for climate change would be big oil, would have the cash to go, like, hey, um, yeah, we're gonna, British Petroleum, we're gonna do, we're gonna fund this research study on um, climate change, you know, so just having an independent, someone out there... That's yeah, or the government. I know, yeah, or, or so, government. So you've got, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah, you've got the government doing it, and you've got the petroleum side doing it. You don't have really a lot of third parties doing that. Correct. That are that are kind of independent, which is what we really need because a lot of that, a lot of that research right now is suspect on both sides. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to really get a lot of good information out of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, his mindset was that all information should be free, and I just have a little bit of a problem with that because we still still have private property rights and intellectual property rights and things like that. If I write a book, yeah, and then I and I make it available, and I'm hoping to get, you know paid for that time that I put into writing that book, if people enjoyed it, if somebody just comes along and takes it and then redistributes it for free, they uh-huh. can even say that they wrote it. I'm I'm up a creek right there, so. You know, I just that mindset of free information is good to a point. You can't take it to the complete full extreme on it, which is where I, where he his his kind of thought what process was. Yeah, he mostly saw everything. This is what I've just got from docs and reading and hearing interviews from people who's seeing everything basically as a um, uh, public library, the same way as like that. But, uh, he, he was his mindset was socialization of information. You see what I'm saying? Oh, snaps. I just got some... Thanks for the bits, Christy. Woo! Christy just dropped 127 bits. I get you a new badge. That's a 100-bit badge. Nice. Thank you, Christy. Yeah, that freedom of knowledge is out there because, like like I said, going back to the Gorilla Manifesto, uh, it is... Yeah, it basically talks about, like, well, to them, knowledge is power. Knowledge should be redistributed to everybody out there. Um, and it should be... Okay. People should have the power, right? Yeah, and they also talk about uh, allowing a friend to make a copy. You know, so like, like almost like, who, like, everyone should be able to like see it. But you know, what's the law regarding of having someone like? Um, uh, uh, There's got to be some balance there. There's got to be some some, and the, the laws right now are horrible. Oh I yeah, mean, let's, yeah. Not, let's not mistake that. I'm not, I'm not like, anyway saying that he didn't have a point to make, mm-hmm. and. And, and especially with the pacer system, what he did with the pacer system was good. And now, with the pacer system, there was a gentleman who who recognized this issue and put a call out mm-hmm. for people to to do what they could. So when right. pacer was putting, they were putting a trial system in there mm-hmm. where you go in and pull the information for free while they were beta testing it, basically. Yeah, um, that's when he went in and got that information, and so he did so completely legally. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what he was doing, but it really kind of honked off the pace people. But the, the idea was is that they were saying that they needed to charge that in order to maintain the services and the electronics and the writing and all that stuff for it. Mm-hmm. They had $150 million sitting in the bank. 
right yeah from that system from the money they were making off of that so that's a little excessive right mm-hmm. so i can see them saying hey this is too much we're going to this is free information mm-hmm. this is money this is information that the people of the united states have already paid for right so if they want to put a system in place then if you've got tax money paying for that then that should be paying for the the access too Correct. Yeah. So it shouldn't it shouldn't be charging people because the people who needed that information they shouldn't have to pay for that. Um, so that was completely hundred percent. I behind him on that one. The 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 JSTOR one that gets a little trickier for me because of the um, the fact that it is it wasn't public information as far as the public paid for it. It was you know research firms that paid for this stuff and they were getting trying to get the money back on the, on that so they can continue to research. So. It, you know that's that's a gray area yeah because like uh, but 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 you know he had it but th- that's the thing is he he was passionate mm-hmm. he and he believed in something he went out and tried to make it happen even at the detriment of what happened to him as a result of it right, right. so he was willing to willing to do that um i think he should have uh went through the process got his you know paid his time and used it as a as a badge of honor instead of seeing mm-hmm. it as a, the world caving in on him and and then you know feeling the need to to take his life that was this that was the sad part that he got to that point and nobody recognized it and was able to help him yeah and did that thing with J store did like they they stood down they decided not to they did not right. want to press charges um and right then, the problem and, the problem was the government got involved right so that's, yeah correct yeah the, that happened. yeah and the other thing is like you're right it is private property rights and it's just more of like the, the um our antiquated copyright system which i understand like people wanting to copyright things gets their love that's why the creative commons and stuff like those licenses are pretty neat and which our copyright system that most people use is antiquated it's crap it just and it barely d- works here in the dig- in, inside the digital space inside the digital realm well the and, digital the, the, the digital millennium, millennium copyright act is horrible yes. right so there's a a, a well-known um um, thing that we we've always believed in is called fair use. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the days, back in the and I'm going to go in my old. You know, oh, hold on, hold back, on. Back in my let me, day, let me start but, my old timey music. I got the right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go I got, my, got my old timey music. <laughs> but, right. we, but we used to make cassettes mm-hmm. of albums, right? We used to videotape TV shows. There was concerns back then that we were going to you're going to record your album on a cassette then you could pass it off to someone else and they'd have a copy they wouldn't have to go buy it that was a, a violation of the right so there was a thing called fair use where you had the right to make a copy of anything you bought it was yours you had the right to make a copy of it you didn't have the right to sell it mm-hmm. or to be giving it out all the time mm-hmm. so to as an agreement with the companies that made the music and made the TV shows they baked into the cost of blank album blank cassettes blank videotapes and blank CDs that part of the part of the cost of that would go to the um, the media companies with the understanding that it was probably going to get copied in, in a legal way of some sort so this kind of made up for it right <laughs> so that that's the process that's why when you when we used to have CDs um, there were music CDs and then there were just blank CDs the music CDs were more expensive. There was no functional difference between the two. Mm. But because one was labeled a music CD mm-hmm. and one was labeled a, just a blank CD, the music CDs had to give the money to the music companies because they were 
understood that they were going to be used for music or whatever. It was, it was a stupid thing. It's still a stupid thing. The fact that they actually have violated the idea of fair use mm-hmm. um, when we started digitizing music because now they had no way to say they could just stick money onto it in order to get the money back. So they started hammering down and that's when the whole Napster thing happened. And that's when uh, old grandmothers are being ar- uh, arrested and put in, you know, getting fined for millions of dollars because they happen to have some files on a, a Napster share they didn't know about on their computer, you know, right. and they were actually accidentally sharing that information. They didn't know it. Um, so it's, it's a horrible thing that needs to be addressed and nobody's addressing it well. Nobody's addressing it at, at right now at all. It just it doesn't seem like anybody's really trying to do anything about it because everybody's trying to find their own way to, to do this. So yet paywalls for, um, uh, newspapers and newspapers are kind of going out of business because nobody's reading print anymore. So they're trying to make their money that they used to make on ads, which when Craigslist tried to, um, tried to sell services to the newspapers, mm-hmm. they told them, they told them to get bent. And then, so Craigslist started taking all them, all that away from the newspapers because nobody was going to get the newspaper ads anymore. They were giving all, because that's how the newspapers used to make money was selling the ad space in the back of the newspaper. Right. Right. Well, that, well, now you have Craigslist where you can go and, and sell stuff and, and have those ads in there mm-hmm. for, for those little minor things. And now the pay, now the newspapers weren't making that money. And it was a, it was a misstep on their part. Right. So, so now they're trying to figure out a way to monetize the work that they do. And I think it's part of the reason why we're not getting really good journalism is because the mon- the newspaper people aren't, they don't have the money and the resources they used to have to have people just do investigative reporting and do all the work there. So they're trying to cut corners as much as they can. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's all a big mess and it's all because nobody's got a good handle on copyright technology and what we're going to do for it going into the digital age. We're just completely flat-footed. We missed the boat, and now we're trying, you know, it's not being handled properly yet. The Yeah, the old guard is scrambling to catch up, and the, a lot of the new media is, they're, you know, they are finding ways, they're getting advertising, and they're doing um, different um Investigative journalism on themselves, like uh, here in in um, Indiana, uh, we've got Abdul IndyPolitics.org. As he goes out there, he gets hits of the beat, and he gets that paid off for people going after paying for his cheat sheet or getting ads on his own personal site. You know? Yeah, people are having to kind of come up with their own ways now, mm-hmm. and some people are succeeding, some people are failing. Mm-hmm. Um, just regular TV isn't is is just still scrambling trying to find ways to to afford making the shows that we all love to watch, right? So, and how are they going to distribute it? Where are the deals coming in? You know, well, it, it's all a big, still a big mess. And we're, and, and people are working, trying to work through it and work it out and find ways to make it happen. But nobody's come up with the golden egg yet. I don't yeah. Well, 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 the thing is like people will take the money. Like they, like they have found out, like the internet has shown that if you make it easy for people to give you money for your product, People will do that. When it came to pirated, uh, pirated video games, there's several different publishers that just like, you know what, here's our uh, download link. You know, like they would just give the game out, and it's like, so what, you pirated, you know, but we're going to need money for that. And they end up getting paid for it. Um, uh, when you, like Netflix, they showed everyone, like, hey, people want to view their media this way. 
if you allow them to pay for it, they'll get me, you know, they'll stop bootlegging. Well, a lot of people stop bootlegging things like that. And you saw, like, you know, like, um, people would rather pay for Netflix and you know, try to get on some other, like, Napster site, the same way they do with anime. A lot of anime users, they will, you know, they will, because they want new content coming out of Japan, and if they have to bootleg to get it, they'll bootleg to get it. But if they can just go into a country role and get it that way, they will do it. Right, it's 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 you make it easy and a f- and 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 financially affordable or yeah. realistic, right? So we used to pay ten dollars for an album, and now it's like, okay, now let's drop the price a little bit. Let's make it easy because we're not actually making physical discs anymore. Why right? we right. shouldn't have to charge as much mm-hmm. for it, right? So mm-hmm. so people were complaining about that when they first started selling albums online and digital. Mm-hmm. They were charging the same amount as they were for actual physical media. It's yeah. like you don't know you're you're that's wrong people see that and they're not and they're going to get mad and they're going to get the, the thing you make it affordable mm-hmm. or you make the deal that they a lot of people are doing now where you have the spotify's and the mm-hmm. that used to be groove and some other things where you pay a monthly fee and you can have access to the whole catalog that's a great solution they found finally found a way that made sense that was affordable mm-hmm. that everybody could get into Right, mm-hmm. yeah, or, like, or everybody the, can afford ten bucks a month, and they can mm-hmm. hear any, all the music they want to hear—the new stuff, the old stuff, everything—and mm-hmm. it's it's a good solution. And the people who aren't comfortable, they're they're willing to take and defeat in themselves in some ads. Um, which and, I, and remember, the mu- the music industry fought and fought and fought that for so long, and they mm-hmm. finally just said, "Hey, we need to find a way." And they finally come up with a good solution, and we just need everybody else to well, kind of figure it out. They yeah, didn't so. come up with that solution. The market came with a solution. They just kind of adapted because yeah. they were losing money because yeah. a lot of artists was bypassing the the record labels by like, nope, you can go to our website, you can download it <laughs> off our site here. You here's our pay link here. Um, so well, that's the thing is most music most artists mm-hmm. never made the money off the record sales. You know, they were yep. getting money off the the tour money the tick the tickets for the tours the tickets for the t-shirts and stuff like that and they realized that if they gave the music out for free mm-hmm. and people liked it enough they'd want to go see them yeah. right so you make it as available as possible mm-hmm. so that everybody could hear it and you get more fans that way you get more people going to your show that's when you make the money and the music industry is like oh we're screwed here because we're not being able to mm-hmm. you know we're going to be pushed out of the out of the whole process here. So they had to come up with something, yeah. or agree to something that was going to keep them afloat. Yeah, and Ironers liked it because they have to go make like a bunch of crap songs just to fill out an album. All right, a couple of things we want to do. Like, uh, if you guys heard my phone go off, that is because we just got our premium e- emote on the. So if you're a subscribe, if you're like a ten dollar month subscriber on the Wheel of Tears Twitch page, you're able to use the premium emote. The other emote for some reason hasn't been approved yet, but they approved the ten dollar one. I don't understand it. I don't get. It, I don't get it myself. But it's there. Um, um, the other thing is, uh, Farkas Nukin asked, "Do you think 3D printing will bring copyright issues to the forefront?" Um, well, I think it's already kind of there. A lot of um, people, um, a lot of co- um, companies like to bring it, especially when you they see you. Uh, like I think a lot of companies that did the Apple approach when it came to Hackintoshes that as long as you're just 3D printing things for your personal self at res right now, as long as you're not trying to sell it or do stuff with it, they're kind of you know they're offhand off it. Um, only time I really see them go out if you try to make money off it, then they will come down on everybody to enforce their copyright. Um, 
that's the only thing I've seen for 3D printing. Um, will it make bring that conversation back up? Hopefully, it will, um, because um, a lot of old copy conversation needs to be had. Yeah, conversation you've had anyways, yeah, and uh, because there's a lot of different things out there that is ridiculous that you can't touch anymore or things that are just locked behind copyright laws. Did you want to... Well, you have the problem now, too. It's last year, last Christmas time, so there was this... Uh, uh, every year there's a, a special Christmas um, toy that everybody tries to get, you know, like the old Furby and, and the things like that. So apparently this year there was a, there was one as well, and there were a lot of people making copies of it making mm-hmm. you know uh, their version of it and it was getting they were getting sold in the Walmart store and the Amazon store and so Walmart got wind of it they got yelled at about it and they said hey we didn't realize it this was a third party selling in our store so we pulled them from being able to sell in the store because we didn't know that they were doing this but it's a it's a pro- still a problem with those types of things even without 3D printing so 3D printing is still is going to you know still right be part of the process but it it's never really gone away it's it's still an issue that people are dealing with especially with these with the amazons and the walmarts and these online retailers who do third party uh sellers into their into the store they're going to run into these issues constantly and they're going to have to keep fighting it the problem is is that you have to protect your copyright mm-hmm. so even if you don't want to and if you're okay with somebody doing something if you don't go after that one person that you're okay with Mm -hmm. then another person who's going to do something that you don't want to do with it can say that well you let them do it we can do it too so unless you enforce it on everybody so a great example of that is the uh the star wars um tv show that we that was talking to you about before harry so uh star trek continues um was a great fan uh um show that was that was put on that recast all of the original crew they continued the five year mission from the point that it ended uh, and were doing new episodes and they were putting together it was faithful they had actually the the son of uh, uh, James Doohan who played Scotty playing mm-hmm. playing that character they had uh, relatives from past you know from the, from the old show doing characters it was very well done it was very high quality and Paramount was okay with them doing it because they were doing a great job and they were faithful and everything was good. But there was another group who was doing a similar thing and they started charging mm. for aspects of the show, like T-shirt sales and and downloaded DVDs and things like that, which then put them Paramount in a really bad situation where they had to, in order to stop them from doing that and making money off of their property, they had to tell everybody that they had to stop. So that put an end to that show, unfortunately, which is which is horrible because that was such a good show. But that's the reality of the of the copyright laws. And if you don't protect your copyright, you lose that copyright protection. Yep. And it's up to you, like, and it's up to you to try to protect it and cease and desist on it. So. All right. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I see. Um, Wicked Kender, I actually find myself buying physical media. It's so cheap now, and a whole album physical CD is ten bucks now. Yeah, I've also noticed that too. Like the prices for like physical copy stuff have gotten topsy turvy. Like I bought several different books here that I've got like physical copies of, right? But I got them like for like super duper cheap, just because I'm willing to take a physical copy of a book instead of just you know. Um, you know, wanting an e version of it. You know, 
I've several different times I've been on Amazon. They were like, "Ebook is sixteen dollars. Hardback ten. I'll take that hardback then. Thank you. <laughs> I'll read that hardback book. All right. It's, it's hard. It's harder to copy. It's harder to copy a hardback and give it to somebody else. I think that's probably where that price is coming. They're adding that price in. Yeah. I got to figure out how to. I can put this old timey um, um, drop in so you can hear it too. When you so when you bring up. Because everyone else is going to hear it on the Twitch, but you, uh, what I am playing, I'll, I'll kick over to the screen. Uh, I went to the Free Music Archive. <laughs> Looked up Jocker's Dance Orchestra. <laughs> Needed some old timing music for uh, when um, uh, Reinhold gets all old timing on us. I've been looking up. Back some... in my day. Hold on, hold on. I gotta play my old timing. We play the old timing music for. <laughs> Alright, um, next thing I want to go to is, this is an article, I, I've been wanting to get to this thing for a while, but I kept going back, oh, we got a chat, Kindle prices make no sense to me, yeah, Kindle prices make no sense either, um, um, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I, br I prefer physical copies of books too, um, oh no, no, people, nope, nope, done with chat, They're talking about quadraphonic sound, anyways, I wanted to talk, speaking of old time stuff, we're going to bring up Social Security System. Krebs on Security, In-Depth Security News and Investigation. If you don't, uh, if you really like to hear stuff about, like, cool things about security, um, Krebs on Security, good, like, was one of the blogs I do. Krebs on Security, the Hacker News Network, and Ambassador. There's just several different blogs I do. And, of course, you know, Steve Gibson. Got to watch Steve Gibson stuff all the time. If he says, if Steve Gibson said the internet was green, it's green. Okay. Anyways. Krebs on Security is long. Just, I just wish she had a different. I just wish she had a different host for that show. Now I, I'm so over. <laughs> so over. <laughs> what's what, what's wrong with the host? Huh? Huh? What's wrong with the host? Don't like his voice. He's he's turned his network into a political nightmare that I just can't can't stand. Oh, that stuff. Yeah, I just. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about his co-host, but you're talking about the the whole Twit network. I I just do security yeah. now on Twit. I can't stand everything else on Twit. Well, I do Windows Weekly too. But those are the only two things. Is that one? I'm just too scared to do anything else besides Steve. Is Windows Weekly okay? Love Windows Weekly. Paul Therott and Mary Jo are they're they're wonderful people, and they do a great job. Farkas Nugent said I should just have 300 baud modem sounds instead for old timey music for you. There's actually a, there's actually a podcast out there called The History of the Internet, which uh -huh. is really really good. Um, and he starts off the podcast with a, a modem connecting. It's just so I just go back in time, and I'm like, I miss. I kind of miss it. <laughs> that old that old feeling that I'm getting online. I can hear. It's great, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, get uh, Chris is like get off my law, and we got a shout. Yeah, someone was a shout out. I'll shout out to Sovereign Tech. That's also a great um, tech podcast too. But you don't have to like wrestling, and, and by wrestling, you means you have to like Ric Flair. It's got, like. Sovereign Tech is like um, security now, but you know, like, but you're at a rock concert. All right, my first one was at fourteen point four. Um, wow, I mean, like, you guys are really our children of the bod. I'm, I'm a grandchild of the bod. I've, I've started with a fourteen four K. Okay, all right. Anyway, scrubs us. Well, you gotta remember. Hmm? Well, you gotta remember the internet didn't hit for me until I was out of high school. <laughs> It was always weird going to high school talking about the internet, and most people didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> well, Versus... I just I I envy 
everybody who is able to grow up with the internet because access to information is so much better now than mm-hmm. it was then. It was impossible back then. Even finding out what you wanted to do with your rest of your life, because you, especially I me, mean, I was living in a small town, and just the idea of you could do all of these different things weren't there. You mm-hmm. know, you had a very limited range of things that were kind of realistic for you to do and you knew about. And uh, if I had access to the internet, it would have been, I, I could, it would have been so much different. And I, I, I really do envy everybody who grew up, grew up with it. I did thought I was the one percent. I was blazing speeds with my fourteen point four, and I thought I was a rock star with my first fifty six k. And it's like you never need anything bigger than a 50, when I got my fifty six k. I think that first fifty six k was out of a, I think it was a Toshiba or. Toshiba laptop, satellite laptop, good old Toshiba. Well, I remember reading an article, where, and this was while I was uh, in college, where the first one gig hard drive came out, and everybody was like, it's so big, you'll never be able to fill it. Mm. Mm. Of course, then we were running, you know, 25K programs and things like that. It was just not something you could even imagine. I'm good to <laughs> I remember when I had my first anyway. 10 gig hard drive. I was sure I took that to the LAN party and was showing off my 10 gigs. And the only person that got was close. He like scuzzied a bunch of other drives together to get seven. <sighs> Scuzzy. <laughs> I remember Scuzzy. Oh, man. All right. Craigslist Security has long warned readers to plant your own flag at my social security online portal or the U.S. Social Security Administration. Even if you're not yet drawing benefits from the agency, because identity thieves have been registering accounts in people's names and siphoning retirement and or disability funds, this is the story of a Midwest couple that took all the right precautions and still got hit by ID thieves and impersonated them to the um, SSA directly over the phone. Yeah, makes you feel good with the United States government, right? Anyway, let's go back into this. In mid-December 2017, um, this author heard from Ed we're just going to call him Ed. <laughs> Anyways, Ed, a long-time reader in Oklahoma. Uh, is Oklahoma considered the Midwest? Is that... Do we have to claim... It's still technically kind of the Midwest. Yeah, I think anything east of the Rockies is still kind of considered Midwest. I don't want to... Oh, we have to claim Oklahoma. Crap. Whose wife, Ruth had just received a small uh received a snail mail letter from the SSA about successfully applying to withdraw benefits. The letter the letter confirmed she requested a one time transfer of more than eleven thousand from her SSA account. The couple said they were perplexed because both previously had taken my advice and registered accounts with my social security even though Ruth had not yet chosen to start receiving SSA benefits. And here's the, the example of the, the letter. They had be, the be, benefits verification met, you know, direct deposit, da 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 fraudulent one-time payment that scammers tried to siphon from uh, Ruth's account. There it is. Okay. Sure enough, when Ruth logged into her My Social Security account online, there was a pending 11,665 withdrawal destiny deposit in green dot prepaid debit card accounts. Funds deposited onto a green dot card can be spent like cash in any store that accepts credit or debit cards. So basically one of those, like, those spending cards. Um... I'm not going to get distracted by news groups. Uh, the 11655 amount was available for... Um, that's a... That's... I'm guessing that was... Something's wrong. 
there. Anyway, I'm going to go hang on. Matt was available for a one-time transfer because it was intended to retroactively cover monthly retirement payments back to her, uh, her 65th birthday. The letter that Eccleston received from the SSA indicated that the benefits had been requested over the phone, meaning the crooks had called the SSA pretending to be Ruth and supplied them with enough information about her to enroll her to begin receiving benefits. Ed said he and his wife immediately called the SSA to notify them of fraudulent enrollment and pending withdrawal, and they were instructed to appear in person at a SSA office in Oklahoma City. The SSA ultimately put a hold on the fraudulent 11665 transfer, but Ed said it took more than four hours at the SSA office to sort it all out. Mr. Eckerson said the agency also informed them that the thieves had signed his wife's up for disability payments. In addition, her profile at the SSA has been changed to include a phone number in the 786 area code, Miami, Florida. They didn't change the physical address, perhaps thinking that would tr trigger a letter to be sent to us, Ed explained. Thankfully, the SSA sent a letter anyway, but said many additional hours spent researching the matter with SSA personal personnel revealed that in order to open the claim on Ruth's retirement benefits, the thieves had to supply the SSA with a short list of static identifiers about her, including her birthday, place of birth, mother's maiden name, current address, and phone number. Wow, that's, that's utter garbage for security. <laughs> Unfortunately, most of it, if not all of his data, is available on a broad swath of American populace from Free Online, Think Zillow, Ancestry.com, Facebook, and such, or else for sale of the cybercrime underground for the cost of a, a latte at Starbucks. The Eccleston's thought the matter had been resolved until January 14th when Ruth received a 1099 form from the SSA indicating they, they reported the IRS that she had in fact received the 11665 payment. We've emailed our, uh, our tax guy for guidance on how to deal with this on our own taxes, Mr. Eccleston wrote in the email to Krebs and Security. My wife logged into SSA portal and there was a note indicating that the corrected updated 1099s were available at the end of the month. She, she's not sure whether the message was specific to her or whether everyone's seeing that. Not small if it happens to you. Identity thieves have been exploiting authentication weaknesses to divert retirement account funds from the SSA launched its portal eight years ago, but the crime really picked up in 2013 around the same time Krebs and Security first began warning readers to register their own accounts at the My SSA portal. The uptick co coincided with a move by the U.S. Treasury to start requiring that all beneficiaries receive payments through direct deposit, though the SSA says paper checks are still available to some beneficiaries under limited circumstances. So, once again, boomers screw up everything for us with the static um, crappy um, identification things instead of like something good like maybe like a YubiKey something set for you or some sort of PG key system or some crap like that. No, we got these crappy antiquated like static addresses like that. They're sent. Granted they did try to update. They've got this crappy online portal but you know they don't really use any hard like you know things to really determine like who you are and stuff like that. So and go which, you know, I don't want to lead into the immigration debate, but that totally goes, goes to this, like, it's so easy to fool the federal government who you are, like, you know, like, you really don't have any proof besides sheets of paper that anyone can fool or fake that you are an American citizen or born in the United States. It's sort of garbage. Yeah, basically, probably in 30 years, we'll probably get two-factor. The moment when the entire industry has moved on to not even using passwords and using something else, we've we've decided we're going to use something else and it's going to be better, you know, they're probably going to do, you know, maybe two-factor, maybe bio-crap security. 
Alright, uh, here's a few more listed. More than 34 million Americans now conduct business with the Social Security Administration, SSA Online. A story um, from Reuters says the SSA doesn't track data on the prevalence of identity theft. Nevertheless, the agency assured the news outlet that this anti fraud have, ha- um, have made the problem very rare. Very rare. And they say this after the whole um, Equifax hack. So just think about all those Equifax being things that people are just sitting on now because they've got enough, you've got enough information just from the Equifax Act to basically do the you know, SSA thing on just about everyone in the country, okay? Reuters notes that the 2015 investigation by the SSA Office of Inspector General Investigation did find more than 30,000 suspicious My SSA regu- uh, registrations and more than 58,000 allegations of fraud related to My SSA accounts from February 2013 to February 2016. Those figures are small in the context of, of overall My SSA activity, but it will not seem small until it happens to you, Mark um, Miller of Reuters. The SSA has not yet responded to a request for comment. Ed and Ruth's experience notwithstanding is still a good idea to set up a My SSA account, particularly if you or your spouse will be eligible to withdraw benefits soon. The agency has been trying to beef up online authentication for citizens logging into MSSA portal. Last summer, the SSA began requiring all users to enter a username and password in addition to a one-time security code sent to their email or phone. Mmm, so much security. could send it to your phone. Awesome. Although, as previously reported here, that authentication process could be far more robust. Just a little. Just a little bit more robust? Can we just go for a little bit more robust here? Just two-factor. Just two-factor. So we ask. Just a little two-factor. The Reuters story reminds readers to periodically use the MyMSA portal to make sure that your personal information, such as date of birth, mailing address, are correct. For current beneficiaries, if you notice that, that a monthly payment has not yet arrived, you should notify the SSA immediately via the agency's toll-free lot 9, because well, you can do anything with a phone number, apparently, or at your local field office. In most cases, the SSA will make you whole in the theft if reported quickly. Another option is to use the SSA... Um, uh, block electronic access feature which blocks any automatic telephone or online access to your social security record including by you although it is unclear if blocking access this way would have stopped ID thieves who managed to speak with a live SSA representative to restore electronic access if you'll need to contact the social security administration by proof of your identity which most identity thieves can get so I don't know what protection you get from this you know I, there's a lot of identity thieves that you know may have you know, it's I. You know, you don't have to because sh- you don't have to show like show up to a person to get you a, get a birth certificate. You can get a bir- you can easily get a birth certificate through the mail. You may have to wait, but all you need is a lot of the static information that people have there. Um, so, um, the Social Security Office needs better security, and so it's basically everything else here. Like all these suggestions are just good band aids and possibly may help. And basically, so you need to be able to. So basically, they're basically telling you to keep in your ISSA portal and log into it at least once a month vigilantly and keep checking the thing. By the way, you've got to keep checking your credit report and make sure that the stuff on it, because these old crappy systems that the boomers put in place are weak sauce and are very dangerous and the you know in our current basically digital age. So, um, I've got a while to collect my uh, social security benefits, if they're there at all. <laughs> yeah, so why is why are we worried about this? Because it's not like anybody's actually going to be able to collect it. This is for the, the boomers. Ten years or so. <laughs> this is for the boomers that are listening. All the boomers, all two of them, all the Gen Xers and the uh, millennials are. Like, what what social security? 
<laughs> Let's see here. Um, I mean, I'm I'm 51 and I am not counting on Social Security. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm only talking 10, 10 years out before I can start collecting if I wanted to. You, you might as well just put a, a, a thousand in Dogecoin and count on that. <laughs> count on Dogecoin. Well, I'm, watching, I'm watching for the bottom. Yeah, I'm watching for the bottom. I feel bad. Like, I saw the bottom of Bitcoin at down. Like, I think I got down like 5,200. I was sitting there watching it at 2 a.m. And I'm like, I really should have started buying. I told my wife that I saw it at 5,200. And she watched it go up. And she's like, why didn't you buy it at 5,200? <laughs> Here's a th- well, well, Cause I didn't know it was going to go off, any lower. Lower. To get off on a sidetrack, I mean, I'd, I'd rather put money in stocks anyway. Because you're actually investing in a company that has some sort of value that you can monitor and and be a part of so that's just me but that's another thing yeah yeah and to I, be I think, investing in bitcoin investing in bitcoin is almost like what george soros does and it just kind of gives me the willy i i feel you it's like, to me investing in them almost a lot of cryptocurrency a lot of it it's like hedging your bet or it's just basically betting if i'm gonna i'd rather do that than go get a scratch off ticket you know, it's more fun to get. It's more fun than scratch off ticket. Um, now, penny stocks are a great penny stocks and day trading. That's my uh, that's my retirement plan. Is that oh, is that your retirement plan? Of course, you'd have did better if you'd have like uh, what if you just bought a car from the nineteen eighties and just sat on it right now. I have a nineteen seventy Le Mans sitting in the garage right now. See, see, it was my my first car. My dad bought it when I was five years old, and uh, yep. it's been in the family since the day it cooled the lot. Man. See, there you go. There you go. Plus, I was I was involved in Bitcoin back in oh geez, late nineties, early two mm-hmm. thousands, somewhere around in there, where I was actually doing the mining thing because I was doing SETI online as well. It was, was the, the era of the initial, yeah, the era of the initial uh, uh, parallel processing or distributed processing. So everybody was doing these little agents that did some work on your computer because you weren't using it all the time. It was a fun thing to do, and one of them was Bitcoin. I was like, I'll just put this little Bitcoin thing here, and we'll play with it and see if we get to find anything. And then uh, six months later, I forgot about it. Yeah, I forgot about it, and who knows if I ever got one or not. But I lost the wallet a long time ago. (laughs) uh, You just kind of start kicking myself where I'm like, oh, this is never going anywhere. I'm not even going to bother with it. And I'm like, "Uh, I guess I might have should have, huh? Because I could have been rich like these other guys. Yeah. The server process thing was huge. Like, uh, you could put your PS3 to, to sleep and let it, you know, you get cash back. You know, I remember doing that, using it for cash, put my PS3 to sleep, and let someone use the, pro- the cell processor in it to get some ca- some cash for it. While I was hooking well, up, and the, and the, hooked and up the greatest those. the greatest success of distributed processing is, of course, botnets. Yes, yes, yeah, and the IoT threat that we face face today. Yeah, and getting back, kind of bringing us back to the Social Security thing, it's like, you've got to have, I mean, that's the problem with government is that they are always, they don't understand technology. I've gone over this before with the Russian thing. Nobody in, in, nobody in the politics area, the politicians don't seem to get it and understand it. And they're not going to, not willing to listen to the people who know what they're talking about and, and get them somewhere. Right. I mean, there was a great video about the the intelligence of our representatives. I don't know if you saw this the other day. There, there was a, a representative. I don't remember his name, um, but he was questioning 
putting more troops on Guam. And so he's asking the general, he says, well, the, you know, this this island's only this wide, right, and this mm -hmm. long. It's a very small island, right? And he goes, yeah, it's, I don't know the exact numbers, but that, you know, it's a pretty small place. He says, I'm really worried about putting more people on there because it could cause the island to tip and then sink into the ocean. <laughs> this is the level of intelligence our representatives have. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to tip it into the ocean well you don't want it to tip over if you put too much you, know, you get a, it's not balanced right right get them on one side it just kind of tips it's over just, it's just amazing uh, you know? yes remember the best and brightest all work for the United States government the best and the brightest oh that's awful so they have I mean I understand politicians are focused on doing politician stuff that's a full-time job trying to manipulate not manipulate that's the wrong word no you're trying, right <laughs> trying to trying to navigate manipulate the the you know the back and forth and things you need to do to make things happen in politics I, I get that that's that's a lot of work and full-time job meetings and everything else mm -hmm. they need to be able to rely on people to give them quality information that they can use and they need to trust that information from the right people unfortunately the wrong people get trusted like the 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 brothers who took um gave themselves access to all of the democratic senators computer systems mm -hmm. and you know about this story where they they fled the country because they found out that they were skimming money and taking in and just ripping everybody off and then you still have people I can't remember the, the woman's name the, the senator's name that does that uh, well, who is it? It was one of Hillary's cohorts of, of being in the DNC I can't remember her name uh, but she was like the main person, she was protecting these people and they had already fled the country at this point point. and she's arguing with the DC policeman trying to get the computer back mm. saying it was her property and they had to have a right to have it Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's part of an investigation. Of course we have the right to have it. She says, no, you're, and she berated him demanding the stuff back. Cause she's, I think she's afraid what's on it might get leaked. And that was a whole, that was kind of part of the whole Seth Rich thing. Suicide twice in the face, but it was, but it was amazing to watch this. Mm -hmm. These people don't understand the technology and they get these wrong people in who are just willing to, um, Weapon drives. Snow them. It's the person, the the person who's in charge of setting up the the Obamacare websites, right? The the ACA websites, fleeced them from so much money. It was amazing, and it still never worked right. And it's like there's quality people out there doing good work who are going to bid better than what these guys are charging. What is going on? It's all political, and unfortunately, they're not. They're not. They're not making that connection, and we're ending up with horrible security systems, horrible systems to work with, uh, in accessing the government resources that we're supposed to be able to access. Yes. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, because they're omnipotent politicians, they don't have to listen to any like techs or like some weird weirdos like us. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I don't get it. Like it's it's. For every horrible person that's out there, there's got to be four or five really good tech guys. I mean, there are firms I know that I, I mean, I work for one that 
they're quality people. We don't, you know, we do business with everybody. We, I do business with governments, right? Mm-hmm. And the things I see, uh, I just sometimes, you know, it, it, it astonishes me. You, you, you do business with governments. You call yourself a libertarian. Hey, you know, <laughs> I get paid. I don't care who pays me. I know, like, money is money. <laughs> The uh, it was like it was that a Rhonda Sykes joke. You can't taste the racism. Can't, <laughs> can't psh, money spends. Money spends. All right, let's see. We have about fourteen minutes left. Do you wanna? Do you wanna think we can get down the story, or like we should just try to wrap it up here and just you know end up shillings? Well, like that? Think we, we can should... have some fun. We can have some fun talking about some parades. Oh. St- all right, I haven't looked into this whole parade thing, and I don't wanna. But you know, we got 50 minutes. I'm ready to go over some parades. Tell me about this parade thing because everything I'm looked at it like it just looks bad. I've been wanting to sit on this information for a while because I have knee jerk reaction. So I'm really want to read anything right now. So I want to wait for that knee jerk to wear off. But go ahead, tell me, tell me about this thing. Oh well, basically, uh, Trump has stated he wanted to have a military parade. Mm-hmm. To, to celebrate the military uh, in the United States, which sounds okay, but what you end up with is an image of USSR, China, North Korea, parading out their military in the middle of wartime, right? Mm-hmm. So the a lot of people are saying, and um, I'm pulling some information from Time Magazine and from from Jack News, I know some people don't like Jack News, but they got a good article on this. Is where, in the, the difference is, is that when we've had military parades in the past, mm-hmm. it's been the celebration of the end of war. We haven't had an end of war. We have an endless war, right? We have been fighting wars for, unfortunately, as long as some of the people who might be listening to this have been alive. This is ridiculous. And now we wanted to celebrate the fact that we're, st- we're still fighting in Afghanistan. We're still fighting in all these countries. We're bombing all these countries for years and years and years on end. You know, I grew up in a time where we weren't constantly at war with people. Um, it's, it's, a, it's disheartening to see it, you know. And unfortunately, I think it's becoming the norm for a lot of people because they're, they're just growing up and this is just kind of their no- new normal. Mm-hmm. And it's not the way it's supposed to be, people. It's not how we should be. We need to stop this. And celebrating the military in this fashion while we are at war is deplorable. Right? I am all for the... Trust me, I'm a, I'm a military veteran. I'm a disabled military veteran. I am not going to say we shouldn't be, you know, reverent to to the military and what they're doing and the, and the effort they're putting in to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. If they were keeping us safe, I don't think we are doing that right now. I think we're trying to interfere in other people's business that we shouldn't have any business in and creating more problems that we're going to have to fight later on. But what we have now is the appearance of what the USSR, what China, and what North Korea have always done to try and show our might to the rest of the world. And don't think that Donald Trump isn't trying to do that. Right? That's exactly what he wants to do, to make a display of our might. 
He has said this before. He has, you know, gone on and tried to, to, to try to play this tack before. And everybody knows what he's trying to do here. But other other countries have military parades. You don't want to see, you, you know, you know, United States military coming out of the Arch of Triumph, you know, in New York, you know, marching down the street. We've had military parades too, but they've been to celebrate the end of war. The end of World War Two. We had military parades. We had a big parades what? in Times Square. It was a wonderful time because we were celebrating the fact that we weren't fighting anymore. Well, maybe you know, Trump is woke finally. Hanging out with you know, been listening to Ron Paul. Okay, you know, maybe this is gonna be a surprise. He's gonna bring all the troops home, and that's why he's gonna have a parade. I doubt that's gonna happen, but would that be nice? But yeah, I feel you with Yoda because I would. I if that were to happen, uh-huh. I would become a I would become a Trump fan in a heartbeat. <laughs> the Rhino would instantly have the MAGA hat on. Like, yeah, okay, if the he, troops home. Seriously, if he, if he would end the stupidity. Mm-hmm. That we are involved in, I would I would say okay, you got me, uh, you win. Mm. 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 I would still fight him on tariffs and immigration, yeah. but oh, yeah. I would still say you you have you have done something that I am approval approval of, and I give you the credit for it, and thank you for that. I would tell him that mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. You know, oh, it's not no. going to happen. No, 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 not even close. But um, yeah. And it's yeah, and it's almost like it's like and I think it, it gives like credence to like this is a little kid with um you know uh, with the ability, just playing around with like with with power. You're like, hey, let's have a parade, let's have a parade, and it's, it's you know it's almost sick. It's almost yeah, it's definitely sick. Well, here's here's a quote from retired Army Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling. Right, yeah. he's talking to Time Magazine. And he says that the military parades goes against the U.S. democratic traditions. He says, a lot of countries have histories of long-time military conquest and the power and strength of the military supporting the government. But since our inception, that has not been who we are. We are the only nation in the world that defends a piece of paper, an ideology. And to say that we're going to strut our stuff with tanks and rockets, launchers, and things like that is not a good representation of what the military does in a democratic nation. Correct. He just makes everything, yeah. You make us look like everyone else, and and America's different, and it's it's supposed to be different. We don't do that. Uh, Wiki Kendra said, "I can't imagine what kind of protest might happen at an official military parade today." Well, it could be awful. Um, uh, Michael's like, "Oh, they wouldn't be allowed. You end up in a place where there is no darkness. Oh, you would be disappeared." Oh yeah, just give <laughs> you don't you don't mess around military. I can tell you right now, you will be disappeared. Because <laughs> military don't military doesn't screw around. Let me tell you something. You disappeared. Their life, it's life and death. Mm-hmm. They don't. This isn't like protesting at a school or a college. You know, hey, we're upset that this person's speaking, or yeah. uh, you know, or so, or, or protesting on the lawn of the White House or the or the Senate where it's all you know civilians. Mm-hmm. You don't mess with the military. What? They don't. They're not. They're first of all, they don't have a sense of humor mm-hmm. when it comes to security. When we talk about security, they are they know security. It ain't gonna happen. So no, that's not a good idea. Well, um, I will say this, okay? 
It's uh, they'll be if if the parade does happen, um, they will be on U.S. soil, so they can't do anything. So they'll have to ready to win. For you don't up. you don't think they can do anything? They're yeah. not supposed to do anything. The CIA's not supposed to operate on United States soil, too. They do. There's a sheet of paper here that says they can't touch me. Yeah. You hold that sheet of paper up against their gun and see what happens. The magic sheet of yeah. paper. That's well. If they touch you, me, can w- you can you can you could win in court. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. If you get the court on the fact that they violated your rights, uh-huh. you'll never see a court. Ask the people in Guantanamo whether they seen a court. It you, never happen. Just we still have we still have people in Guantanamo Bay for God's sake. Yep. That's hey. Some people don't even make it to the to the jail cell. They die in route. So, well, I don't want to. I'm here. Well, I'm glad you wanted to go this way, so now we can hand low key wall on a on a joking on a on a happy high note. Happy right? note about getting disappeared. Well, and, okay. At least, at least so we've better, got huh? so we've got five we've got five more minutes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. <laughs> Duck. Let's see. What was I had, get, I had two other stories. In could, you, could you brought up Gitmo and people get disappeared? What next? We're gonna talk I had about a little rant. We're gonna a talk about rant. we're gonna talk about Keith Richard. We're gonna talk about like people getting um, suicided, or how about some people who got shot twice in the face? Huh? Well, we can talk about <laughs> I suicided. Was, was text message. How about the guy who suicided himself in the back seven times with a shotgun? <laughs> That's talent. That's, we lost a great talent there. If you could do that, could do, could do, could do. You know, you could just type in weird. Hey, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep it all cool and calm. We're not going to get into anything heavy, right? This is low key. You know, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, right. and I, on that, I wasn't meaning. To, I was not meaning to get into like that heavy, but man, it just got me on a. It hit me in the wrong spot. Uh yeah, I'm guessing there yeah, there is a uh, probably a um Hillary staffer in that, that spaceman suit on Tesla cars. Uh oh, yeah, that's what I can rent that. All right, people. Oh, the Tesla Oh yeah, you want to talk about uh Elon Musk. Tesla, okay. I am a car guy. I love cars. And what I can't stand is the Tesla fanboys fanning and masturbation over themselves. Over the freaking like Tesla and a stupid Tesla cars. Oh, we got. I don't really care about SpaceX. SpaceX has military contracts and they get paid a lot of money bringing stuff to the space station. All right, they get paid money to bring it up there uh, from the federal government. So, meh. It's well, it's a great, it's a great way to great way to privatize space. Yeah, they privatized it. We're doing that. Awesome. That's good. That's good to go. Yeah, I get. You have a problem. It's the cars that I have an issue with. I hate Tesla cars because they're junk. Okay, if they were, if they had, they didn't have, a, if they didn't have the awesomeness of the electric car, the motor inside of it, and the batteries, no one would like, no one like it. They'd get the one star ratings, be awful. They'd be a laughing stock of the car world, like most hardcore car people. They are. Are they incredibly fast? Yes. Do they got these range? Yes. But they've got these numbers that they put up. So only people who really like them are the internet fanboys who like to race numbers. Like, oh, look at this thing. This thing is so much faster than a GTR and the, the McLaren 918. Come on. Come off it. Okay, first off, um, the, um, the GTR would beat a, uh, the, the Tesla around the track. Be 
because the Tesla's battery overheat and it can't keep doing what it does. Like this whole launching thing, you can only really do that once until the battery cools down. The GTR can keep launching and launching until it runs out of gas. Um, the Tesla's build quality is freaking junk. There's or every freaking Tesla they have massive, massive defects in each of the body on on all the body. The uh, there's panel gaps everywhere that you can almost stick your whole fist inside of. There is um, the safety features are crazy. It's the, the oh we got to thank Licknar for the bit. Um, the ability to cut the power and open the the front hood to cut the power for the safety feature. That's too difficult to open the front trunk. It's too difficult to, to cut off the one in the rear. You don't even know how to. There's no emergency latch to get out of the rear of that car. Um, <laughs> well, there's other things you haven't we haven't mentioned, which is even worse in my opinion, is that you can't get access to the schematics for the car in order to work on it yourself. You have to take it to them to work on. Correct, yes. If you buy, if you buy a car from someone else, mm -hmm. you are no longer the original owner. Mm -hmm. Tesla will not work with you on getting it fixed. You have to do it yourself, and you yep. don't have the schematics for it. Yep. So it's a complete to do it yourself at that point. Yep, and they like and they have locked off cars that like or have like salvage titles. They've locked them off and turned them off because they're always even though you buy the salvage and they still won't touch you, it will still continue to talk to Tesla at all times. They're still pulling data off it. Um, there's several different people that um, um, one of the guys, car guru, he lives in Mass and they have a right to repair law so he has to use the government of Massachusetts to go after Tesla to get anything if he really wants to get his Tesla fixed or any type of schematics he's got to use the law of, of so basically the mass holes get that one up to go after you know Tesla so and it's oh, it's just, I will give them props for one thing what they are pushing the technology so that other people can do it right they one thing they did do was to show that people one um, liked the idea and could, they can make electric car cool, but the same idea they um, but the fanboys will still like you know like they 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 get the car culture and they can be upsetting. The other thing with it is that so many other companies started doing all like these electric cars, but they're not doing it as well. But then most a lot of companies are using it just for the cafe standards. Because no matter how, like, uh, because with some of the, the, the yeah, what's, even with some of the Teslas and stuff like that, the, there's a lot of different things that, the simple fact you can't repair, you've got to do that, and it's it's a piece of freaking junk, and like the whole truck thing is going to be even worse. Now the truck thing, it's, it's, it's a brilliant idea to do the truck. The whole truck idea for shipping, it's a brilliant, because most trucks go from point A to destination point B. No C and D in between. They're going to go from A to B, so the charging stations make sense. So as long as the range is in the towers and these things are electric, this makes freaking sense. The issue I but have with... Yeah, hmm? The hybrid makes sense. No, the hybrids don't right? make sense. Hybrids are dumb. I, 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 I like hybrids because you can use the, the the actual physics of the car to charge back the battery and, and save on gas. That's a good idea. I give you that one because we have to do such slow city driving sometimes, and sometimes you can get on the highway and you need a like a po full powerful mo motor and the range, and you need the range. 
I get right. That. You always have the ability to fall back to the gas. Mm-hmm. You still have the ability to get where you need to go. You know, right. you're not stuck somewhere going, oh, I got to charge my car. It's going to take me three hours to get mm-hmm. a good charge. I got to find a charging station and sit for for however long it is right. just to get a charge and get home. You know, you've got the gas to get you there and do that. Yeah, I love the hybrid for that, and that gives you the best of both worlds. It 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 reduces your gas consumption, which mm-hmm. is I I'm not a big you know i don't care so much about the fact that it's the the gas and the pollution and all stuff because electric is still pollution and all that stuff it's it doesn't save anything there but it just makes sense to me that you're not relying on the gas for that reason you know it's it's a good side you know kind of it helps air quality in city it helps air quality in cities yeah it does that too a lot of things are going around electric that's good. There's a lot of different things in a condensed area. I get that. Helps air quality out. And the range extenders are sitting on you that. That's awesome at the same time, too. But the thing is, what I reckon, hey, is the Prius driver or the hybrid driver, right, that's driving on the highway that's there to spend 95% of his life on the highway. I'm like, there's no reason you bought that. You should have bought that, that hybrid. If you're going to spend 95% of that thing, his life is going to be on the highway. You have wasted your money. You'd have did better just buying a Honda Civic or the Toyota Camry. Okay, and just drove that if you're not gonna, you know, and just bought a bicycle for the five percent that you're in town for doing something. Just get on a freaking bike. Um, but the, or you know, what was that with these stupid hybrids, stupid battery operated electric cars? Which don't get me well, wrong. About, like, so, so we, so we're getting into the okay, so. The the Tesla fanboys you don't like. Well, I don't like the hybrid fanboys either. The people are like, well, I'm better than you because I have a, t- a hybrid thing. It's just shut up. Right. So I'm for pushing technology. I want the technology to advance. I want us to do better. Mm-hmm. I want us to always try to get a better technology as as fast and as often as we can get it because I'm a technology guy. I mm-hmm. love that. I would love to see nuclear powered stuff. I would love to see all the other types of technologies being used to make energy affordable, easy to use, and um, ubiquitous. Right, so let's keep doing that. Let's keep pushing the envelope, but let's not let's not start getting attitudes about it. You know, it's just like the BM. You know, even even in the car world, there's the BMW guys, right? So there's there's those people that you just you just like shut up yep. and <laughs> let's yeah. let's move along. Right. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like the the like the, and I think like. A lot of people like to bring up that episode of Top Gear going after Tesla. When Tesla, oh, Tesla brought this roadster, all this stuff. You know, like that, that, none of that made any sense other than like the. I actually really accept Top Gear's review of that Tesla because it was probably a piece of junk that they brought. And Top Gear said the freaking truth about it. And and and, and honestly, I don't think Tesla would have got where it was if Jeremy Clarkson and Top Gear didn't tell them, "Hey, you brought junk to us." And they went back to the they went to the drawing board and they started making good cars after that. They needed to be told because everyone else is like, "Oh, this is so beautiful, this is so awesome," and they were like, "No, this is junk. You brought us junk, right?" So, and they needed that. I'm gonna read some things here in the chat. Um, let's see, buying a Ford Edge with 21 mpg. Yep, a lot of the Fords EcoBoost are doing a lot of good, especially the Mazda. Mazda went completely four cylinder this year, so all 2018 and going on, all Mazdas are four cylinders or smaller. Well, how do you feel about the fact that a lot of these people are making these changes and the technology advances because of the CAFE standards? Um, I don't think the CAFE standards were doing anything for that. I think everyone else was going that way anyways because that's what people wanted. Right. I mean, that's always been my take is that if people – if the people demanded better um, mileage, you know, Mm -hmm. better miles per gallon and less gas usage, then you're going to get that. I mean, look at the 1970s. Yeah. 
Let's well, go back in old timey day. So it was, there were gas lines. Nobody could get any gas, yeah. right? So people were were getting nine miles to the gallon or seven miles to the gallon. People were like, we can't do this anymore. So they started making, you know, and it was Japan that jumped ahead of everybody else on this. They realized that people wanted cars that were more fuel efficient. Mm-hmm. They started making fuel efficient cars. People started buying them. Then you had the K cars and things like that. People yes. were now getting 15 to 20 miles per gallon because that's what they wanted mm-hmm. not because of the cafe standards not because the government told them they had to it's because that's what people wanted so mm-hmm. that's what drives this stuff yep. um, I mean I understand what they're trying to do with the cafe standards but it's just a wrong headed approach because it, well, if there's no demand for it then there's really no need to be in, in pushing well a lot of things like the, yeah, like the cafe standards and stuff like that they, uh, oh thank you thank you My- Michael for the follow uh, a lot of different things when it comes to like the, uh, they see like they don't see improvements with the cafe standards, so like they keep pushing them and pushing them and pushing them, and, but it's not doing that. Like, but a lot of people like these. Lot, most people who get the cars, they really don't know what they want. And they don't know a lot about cars, but people still want their big V8s when it comes down to the day. They still want big V8 power, even though you can get V8 power in a four-cylinder package. You know, you can. Um, and but you can get V8s like there's LS3s out there that it'll get 40 mpg, okay, which is crazy for this massive size V8. It's massive than most engines. I know it's still a small block, but it's, it's still a massive motor that's getting 40 miles to the gallon. Uh, you know that's you know it's it's EKG like um uh, that's um EK um, Honda Civic territory there, okay, for a little thing like that. But even the Honda Civics of the now area, they're getting 70 you know plus miles per gallon. Depending on how you drive it, but most people, and, but you still get people buying SUVs for some freaking reason, you know, like oh I gotta have an SUV, SUV. Just like I tell anyone that tells me they bought a car for safety reasons, if they, the next words out of their mouth is in Volvo, they are an idiot, and I tell them that they do not know what they're talking about, and they did not buy that car for safety, and I like to show them their car in a crash, in a crash versus the comparable Volvo. So I tell them like if you wanted a safe car, you would have bought a Volvo. Not whatever Chevy crap that you just bought, SUV that you bought, or Cadillac SUV that you bought. No, 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 no. There's cars that are meant that are actually safe, and then there's that piece of junk that you bought. You know, like an S Class Mercedes. This thing's incredibly safe. Like 7 Series BMW, big and safe. This thing's meant to go 150 plus miles per hour all freaking day, and if it hits something, keep everyone safe inside the car. Your, you know, Chevy Equinox, meant to go. 45, 50 miles per hour. Tip over into a ditch. <laughs> alright, alright. I, I can sit here and ramble about cars for the days, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it here on this bombshell. Um, Randall, you wanna wrap up? You know, shill your stuff so everyone can buy? Uh, sure. If anybody wanted to follow me on uh, Twitch, my handle is Reinhold TV. I do streaming of Sometimes Dirty Bomb, and we do D&D on Saturdays. Uh, also, uh, Twitter at Reinhold for political stuff. Uh, you might see an occasional Twitter fight with certain uh, questionable libertarian magazines and caucuses. Um, or if you just want to follow me about uh, gaming, then that'd be at Reinhold TV. Also, Reinhold.org uh, for political writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, thank you, Reinhold, for joining me on this episode. Uh, this is at Liberty and Shield going this Friday. We're gonna do an, still gonna do an IRL stream at um, 
at uh, Triton again on this Friday, and then when we do Friday Night Gaming, we're going to go back, and I'm going to go back and play Magicka. Skaldja and I got very far Magicka last game, last Friday, and I, you know, I almost feel like beating this game. You know, I feel like, you know, like, let's go beat a game. Let's beat Magicka, because I had a blast at playing Magicka. It was so much fun. I loved it. You know, it was like really like, you know, bringing like the old times of getting off, like going to the land party and stuff with playing games. So I think we're going to end up going to try to do beat, um, uh, you know, Magicka first before we go to the game. So it's going to be Magicka most Friday nights until we end up beating that game. So if you don't like us playing Magicka, jump in the Discord, help us get this, beat this game then, and we'll move on to a different game. Um, let's see, and, um, let's see. Um, don't forget <laughs> Wicked Kinder, thanks for, thanks for the cheers, thanks for the cheer. Um and also let's see Thursday we got We Are Libertarians tomorrow, which will be uh possibly might be the last time you get the OG wall host, uh, We Are Libertarians host together, so that would be uh Creighton Harrington, Chris Galt, and Chris Spangled, our dear leader, together. Hopefully you know, hopefully it won't be the last time, but for you won't last fine for a long time until we can get everyone back together again. Um get the band back. Alright, so um once again Thanks to everybody for uh, coming out to uh, coming over to Twitch, coming for um, Low Key Wall. Thanks to the people who are listening to this as a podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, once you come hang out with us on eight o'clock um, Eastern Standard Time on eight p.m. on uh, on Twitch, hang out in the live room, hang out on Twitch, hang out in the Twitch chat room. If you feel like even talking or saying something like that, jump into the Discord channel, jump into Discord, and you can sit there and hang out with hang out with Rhino and I. Everybody sitting on the chat, you know. You, if you're sitting out there and you want to come in and you want to, you, you hear a piece. Go ahead, jump in. This is more. To, I want to use low key wall. But almost be like this. This is like the you know like while walls going on upstairs. This is the basement. We're out, we're down in the basement drinking coffee while walls going on. That's the idea of the of low key wall for me. Okay, I like having these interaction with everybody. All right, um, so uh, I'm gonna get in here and stop the stream. Bye everybody. Thank you for coming. Bye 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 bye.